Hoopball Podcast listeners. Are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. The following is a Hoopball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Well, hot damn, guys. In a year that has, for all intents and purposes, kind of sucked. My hometown. Champions. Many things across the board. I, I mean, listen, I know this is an NBA fantasy basketball podcast, but I don't care. I don't care. I am I am just over the moon excited. My first love, my first sports love on this planet was the Los Angeles Dodgers. I'd go to games. I think I was like listen, I don't I don't remember how young I was when it started, but the first I remember was when I was 4 or 5 years old. My mom would take me and we'd sit in these those ultra high, the nosebleeds that are like you are just dangling over a baseball stadium. You're just seeing these little ants running around, and maybe every once in a while there's a ball they're chasing. And I grew up on that. I've said it before on this show, I didn't get into basketball until I was about 10 or 11, so like 94-ish. Lakers actually weren't very good at that point. Uh, Dodgers, and then you know they won their World Series when I was five, and I didn't really fully process it. So this is the first one that I've been aware of so i'm excited guys it's a good morning for me um hopefully it's a good morning wherever you guys may be i'm sure we have some listeners in tampa that are less enthused hell of a baseball team the rays are a lot of fun if they were playing anyone besides the dodgers i would have been rooting for tampa bay uh that's always nice to root for the the underdog but you know this one not to be I am Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoopball presentation. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. We have been discussing this week this sort of all of the sudden ramp up towards what sounds like a December 22nd NBA season start. There wasn't really anything new that came out over the last 24 hours or so, at least in terms of uh, what makes us think that this tips one way or the other. The... I think Mark Stein's tweet about free agency came out right after we released yesterday's podcast. I, I don't believe that we've discussed it on the show. So just very quickly here at the beginning, uh, Stein's tweet yesterday, remember we talked about his previous one on Monday, which was basically talking about training camp starting on December 1st. The follow-up tweet a day later, which was yesterday at about 11 a.m. Pacific time or so, uh, 2 p.m. Eastern. It, it, it goes. It, I'm gonna. Just, I'll just read it verbatim here. It says, "Some teams, I'm told, I'm being Mark Stein in this. This is a quote. Are preparing for NBA free agency to begin as early as November 20th or November 21st, two to three days. He wrote 48 to 72 hours after the November 18th NBA draft. If the plan to start the 2021, well, I guess the 2020 or 2021 season, 
on December 22nd goes ahead. Further clarity is expected by the week's end. So we should be keeping an eye out for additional news breaks in the NBA over the next two days or so. But that tweet certainly does continue to solidify this thought that the NBA wants to start on December 22nd. They're trying to line up the dates. I thought you might see free agency. I think I mentioned on yesterday's show December 25th, but perhaps that ends up being too close to Thanksgiving. So with this one, November 18th is a Wednesday. That's the draft. And if they're looking at free agency by Friday or Saturday, here's the thing. They could do it any day after the draft. As soon as teams know who they have in the draft, they can make a final call on free agents. And frankly, outside of some of the very young teams that are kind of building their way up, most of the contenders or semi-contenders, the free agents are probably the larger priority because they're looking at they're looking at draft possibilities in the you know 20 to 60 range of the draft and that's fine some of those guys do pan out and and end up as really good NBA players but it generally takes time for those guys to get good and if these teams are in the top 10 of the NBA right now they are hoping to win immediately. So they have their plans for free agency set already. They could legitimately have free agency start on the 19th, and I don't think anyone would really bat an eye. You don't need a whole week. I know I said it yesterday, but you don't need a whole week between the draft and free agency. These teams know what they're doing, and as we've heard rumors trickling out, a lot of free agents are basically, we'll call it semi-agreed upon already. They've got their plans in place. Why wait, right? I mean, again, there's very little that's going to change for a lot of those contending teams between now and free agency, and those are the teams that are going to be going for most of the the domino-level free agents. And there aren't that many of them this offseason. Very few. This is uh, an offseason where you're going to see rosters that hang tough year over year quite a bit. It's October 28th right now. We're six days out from a presidential election, and we're three weeks out from the draft. So, you know, if you're talking about a day or two after that, sure. Think about it in a normal instance. Right now, the finals would be ending if you were going to work your way backwards from July 4th NBA free agent moratorium. Can we just wipe out the moratorium this year, too? Sounds like that doesn't need to happen because it's stupid. Teams are negotiating. Why can't they just announce it? doesn't make any sense. I mean, we know there's tampering. We know these things are happening before the day. We know that the uh, the word comes out on July 1st of what's about to happen, and then they ink their deals three days later. Let's just let's just do away with the with the formalities and just say, look, if you agree to a contract, just sign the damn thing. Let's get it done. So it really does. It really does feel like the NBA is going to get going on December 22nd. I'm going to continue to operate under that notion. We're now then under eight weeks from that deadline. We're eight, we're seven weeks and six days away. That's 55 days from the start of potentially a new NBA season. This is a crazy level ramp up. I was just going through, uh, I've been working, we, I, I'll speak in the, the singular, since I can really only speak for myself, but I know that at Hoopball, we've been working like maniacs to try to get everything lined up here, kind of in preparation for a January start, so now you just ratchet it up a little bit. Um, 
Last year, 56 days from the start of the NBA, hoopball leagues opened. We are putting the dynasty strategy section into the draft guide five days from now. I mean, like we're, this is, this is run up. Keep your eyes peeled, by the way, because, you know, with all of this news coming into place, don't be surprised if football has some serious content out awfully damn soon. I'm not going to tease anything beyond that. That's that's as far as I'm going to take the tease. What's going on with our buddies over at my bookie today? Well, it's continued a uh, spooky week over at my my bookie. They call it spooky season. I would continue to suggest you guys, at the very least, go to the website mybookie.ag. You can check out the different promos they've got running right now. The spooky season promos. You've got all these free blackjack tournaments. You can win money. Uh, they're going to have free spins in some of their other games. Free chips you can play with. It's a great week to have an account. Please, please check it out. They've got the a spooky season invitational, a blackjack tournament uh, with it, with ten thousand dollars in prizes. There are going to be one thousand winners. I mean, it's it's you you gotta go check it out. These things are free. They're free. You don't have to pay to be a part of these free promotions over on their their Halloween week. So go to mybookie.ag. You do have to get an account. Making the account is free. Use promo code HOOPBALL, please, when you make the account so they know who sent them. Play some of these games. Win some money, and then maybe you can even bet that money. I don't care. Do whatever you want with it after the fact. But they've got these contests going, and and they're like every couple of weeks, free opportunities to take home actual American dollars. And then, you know, you can convert that if you're outside the U.S. I'm just saying, this is actual cash on the line with a free contest. There's no purchase necessary to get involved in these things. By the way, shout out to my bookie for using a South Park picture on the uh, friend referral graphic. If you're listening out there, my bookie guys, I like that. So that's mybookie.ag. Again, promo code is HoopBall. Make sure to sign up for that right now. Other... A quick promo I want to do here. Please don't advance past this one. This is Manscaped.com. Many of you know this promo already. But again, we are down to three episodes left in the month of October. We need to move two more units. We're really close. So if you've been thinking about getting one, a lawnmower 3.0, that is, do it today. Please, literally begging of you to make sure that we can continue this wonderful partnership with Manscaped.com. Go there. Use promo code hoopball 20 on checkout. That's also critical because it saves you 20%, gets you free shipping, and makes sure that they, again, know that they're, that we at HoopBall are responsible for that purchase. HoopBall20 is the promo code at manscaped.com. Get the lawnmower 3.0, pinch-free technology, built-in LED light, and waterproof capabilities. You can use it in the shower to groom yourself, clean your disgusting carcass of a body, and uh, enjoy. That's manscaped.com. Thanks again to both of our partners here on Fantasy NBA Today. Today, I don't have additional deep thoughts on what this early start to the season might mean or the 72-game season might mean. We're going to just wait and react from this point. So if anything else really big comes out on that front, we will address it on the podcast. There was some pretty big news in the NBA front office universe, which is that early this morning, the Philadelphia 76ers will have agreed 
It sounds like the names are not quite on the dotted line yet, but have agreed to a five-year deal with Daryl Morey, the former GM of the Houston Rockets, to run the team as the president of basketball operations. I don't know what that means for Elton Brand in terms of what his actual day-to-day work is going to be like. I'm assuming that some of the stuff he was doing is is going to get split off to Morey, but this is this is quite a move. Um, you have a 76ers team that did rely pretty heavily on layups when they could get them, but in terms of use of basketball stats and finding guys around the margin and kind of understanding how pieces fit together, this is a really big deal. And maybe even more than it is helpful for Philadelphia because, you know, I what moves they might make here over the next couple of weeks, it's really a jammed-in schedule. Uh, this is... This is, to me, pretty rough for the Houston Rockets, who, you know, my timeline is just filled with people saying, look, this is Tillman Fertitta not not wanting to pay Daryl Morey. Um, I mean, there's going to be there's going to be a power struggle here. There's there's no way around that. How Morey and Brand coexist is is a big question that we haven't addressed yet. Um, but the Sixers now have brought in Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey over the last couple of weeks, and I mean, I don't know how you could ever accuse that team of not wanting to spend to win. They are bringing in some of the highest profile names to coach and run a front office that you could possibly imagine. Maybe the highest profile. Right? Like, is there anybody else that they could have brought in at this exact moment that would have run them? And long deals for these guys, too. These They're in it for the long haul. Half a decade. You know, everybody's joking about the Sixers trading away, either Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid. And then there are jokes about trying to go get James Harden from the Rockets. I mean, these are all lovely ideas. I think maybe the more important thing is what do the Sixers do with the pieces they have on roster right now? Because they have some, you know, they, they have some issues in that they gave way too much money to Al Horford, more than anything, to basically be a backup. That was, in my mind, when they signed him, I thought, all right, this is a pretty good idea. You know, they're, they're bringing in guys that can compete with the Milwaukee Bucks, but they really didn't have a good plan for how to utilize those pieces. Does Doc Rivers help with that? Does Daryl Morey help with that? I've got to think the answer is at least a soft yes. How much is hard to say, but one of my favorite fantasy players, to me looks really good right now, and that's Tobias Harris. I don't think he's going to move very much in fantasy drafts based on new head coach and new president of basketball operations, but I would venture to guess that Morey and Doc Rivers, because the the edict is going to be coming from above, are going to be having him stress those efficiency numbers that were so big for Harris during his time specifically with the Clippers, which I know wasn't long, But during his time in L.A., uh, Tobias shot, what was he at? He was 47% when he was traded to the Clippers. Then the following year, he was at 50% from the field. He took three-pointers, and he hit them at a career-best clip of 43%. He shot 88% at the free-throw line, which was well above his career mark. And he was just, he was comfortable. 
He's never been a giant defensive stats guy, so I wouldn't get overwhelmed with that stuff. But the good percentages, the scoring, the rebounding, he'll get you a couple of assists. The turnovers are always going to be very low. I think Tobias Harris, also, by the way, super durable. I think this is going to be a great year for old man Tobias. Joel Embiid, if he can stay healthy, but that's a big question mark. Ben Simmons, I think, is looking at a pretty good bounce back year, although I don't know how much they can change what he actually does on the basketball court. Guys like with with Harris, with Horford, with Embiid, with Richardson, those guys actually have a wider berth of things they can do on offense, which I know is a weird thing to say because Ben Simmons is more important than all of those guys except probably Embiid. But also Ben Simmons can't do anything on offense if he's more than about 13 feet from the bucket. The rest of those guys can shoot a three-pointer. They are dangerous from everywhere from zero to 25 feet. And I think you're going to see a lot of those guys utilize their skills in a more efficient way this season. So I would give a slight uptick to Tobias Harris, slight uptick to Josh Richardson, slight uptick to, to Joel Embiid, although, again, the health is, is a big issue, especially in what, what could be a shorter season. So probably not drafting Embiid this coming year. And then with Al Horford, I, you know, honestly, I don't know how you draft him knowing he's basically relegated to a backup role. Uh, but if they decide to go crazy large and play Ben Simmons as the point guard and go Simmons, Richardson, Harris at the three, Horford at the four, and Embiid at the five, maybe then he squeezes into fantasy value. But even with a slight uptick, I still don't. I don't know how you how you draft Al Horford this year. It's just the path to minutes is exclusively Embiid missing games, which is gonna happen, but not enough. I guess unless you can get Al after pick 100 and then only start him on games that Embiid misses. Basically just stash him, wait for Joel to miss two weeks, plop Horford in there for two weeks of top 40, top 50 numbers, and then put him back at the end of your bench. But that's... Oh, we've talked about it before. If you're in a head-to-head with unlimited games, you can't be squatting on guys that aren't doing very much. And then in Roto, you know, having a deceased roster spot for long stretches of the year is is such a hamstringing when you're trying to find elite waiver wire pickups. You want to be able to, to roster churn a little bit in any event. So that's pretty interesting, wouldn't you say? I, I would. I would call that relatively interesting. Uh, big, big news out of Philadelphia to start the day. That's for damn sure. What I'd like to do here as we hit roughly something like the halfway point of our podcast is now pivot towards the next thing we're going to be going over. And I don't want to spend copious amounts of time on this because, you know, mock drafts, to to kill the tease, mock drafts done right now are inconclusive at worst and somewhat instructive at best. And I frame it that way because free agency hasn't happened yet. There are guys in a mock draft getting drafted that are currently free agents. We don't know where they're going to be. Christian Wood being maybe one of the most important free agents, because if he ends up on a contender, his role is going to be dramatically diminished. If he ends up on a young team that wants to build around, well, some guys and him, his fantasy value could be colossal 
We've seen he has a extraordinary fantasy potential. Great fantasy stat set, but again, landing place is going to be a big deal. So, you know, it's not everybody. Most guys, we have a pretty good idea of where they're going to be and who's going to be around them, but some of those types of can't call them fringe players because he could end up being really interesting. Freddie Van Fleet being another interesting story if he goes back to Toronto versus somewhere else. You know, I think his fantasy value doesn't change a ton depending on where he ends up. There isn't quite that giant spread of is Christian Wood going to play 24 minutes or 30 type of thing? Is he going to be at 22 minutes or 30? Freddie Van Fleet's probably going to play 30 minutes wherever he goes, but in Toronto, he's probably going to play 35 because they don't well, they don't rest people ever. Seemingly ever. So you've got little questions like that. And then, obviously, if somebody like if Freddie Van Vliet ends up on a different team, that changes the fortunes of everybody in Toronto. So there's this big trickle-down element. If Van Vliet doesn't re-sign with the Raptors, I think he probably will. I think he's back in Toronto. You know, there's there's a, a heartwarming thing there. They they gave him this opportunity, and he's he's seized it. But you never know. What if somebody really opens up the purse and Toronto decides it was just a little bit too much? Kyle Lowry, massive boost. Norman Powell, massive boost. I mean, like, crazy massive boost. And Anobi gets a boost. All of these things come into play, which is why a mock draft right now is sort of instructive. With the caveat, of course, that guys are going to be bouncing around quite a bit. So we got together. The great Adam King, Hoopball's own Adam King, helped organize a 12-team industry, way too early mock draft, eight-category league, and we'll break down a little bit on that. And I'm not going to go too deep on most of these picks. It's really more about understanding where these guys went and if there's anything that really jumped out about it. So we'll move along at a good clip. And then after free agency... Well, frankly, there's not going to be that much time. If free agency is November 22nd, which is one month then from the start of the NBA, we'll get a mock going like the next day because we're going to want to do a few of those before your real drafts, which will probably be less than two weeks later. Oh, my God, it's going to be crazy. Uh, Anyway, um, let's see what we got here. We got what teams? What are all the teams in this thing? Um, I'm not going to worry too much about it, but here's how the first round went. This is eight category, which I know is, we normally talk nine cat on this podcast, but this one's eight. So retune your brains for a moment and we'll break it down round by round. We'll see how far we get today over the next few minutes. And then we'll kind of pick up and roll again on Friday's show tomorrow. Remember, we're going to be joined by Josh Millman to break down the Western conference, kind of the same way we did with the Eastern conference last week on Friday. First round, James Harden. That's an obvious one. Anthony Davis, which was me because we started this damn thing before the rumors hit that the NBA was going to start maybe eight weeks from now. I don't think I would take AD at two anymore with the assumption that he's probably targeting like 57 games played for next year. So I regret that decision. But of course, I took him before the news broke that the season could be coming really soon, and then Lakers are, are probably not going to be playing in a lot of those games. Steph Curry went at three. Cat went at four. Dame, five. Giannis, six. Kawhi Leonard, seven. Trey Young, eight. Nikola Jokic, nine. Luka Doncic, 10. Kevin Durant, 11. And LeBron James, 12. And LeBron probably goes a little bit later again 
if the news about the season starting so soon had broken prior to the first round of this draft. We're in the middle of the 10th round as I bring you this podcast right now, but it started, uh, I think, six days ago. So we're not exactly trucking. <laughs> Other things that jump out to me in that first round. Um, this is eight cat. So Giannis at six is less insane than Giannis at six in a nine category league. But it is, of course, worth noting that even this last year, even if you bump Giannis up to eight cat marks, he was still only number 14. And that includes uh, playoff games rolled in as well. If you just look at pre shutdown, so we'll go basically day one of this last year through uh, March 11th. We can adjust those numbers and bring you the uh, new ones. He is still number 14. And it's all free throws. It's all free throws. If you get rid of free throw percent, Giannis is number one. And it's not close. He blows past James Harden in that scenario. But guess what? Eight cat is turnovers missing, not free throws. So it was interesting to me to see Giannis at six, because again, if he's taking 10 free throws a game and he is anchor weighting that, you will not win free throw percent, and you will be lucky to even get anywhere near middle of the pack in free throws if you have Giannis on your team. I mean, like, you literally need two James Hardens to counterbalance what Giannis does at the free throw line. You would need, and you're not going to get him because Giannis is going in the first round, you've got to look at guys from later rounds. Like, you would need Devin Booker and Paul George and Chris Middleton. Could you line up all those guys to try to counterbalance what Giannis is doing to your free throws? You'd have a pretty good team if you had all those guys, I guess. But you're also then, like, when do you get your next, your, or any impact big man? It screw it to me in my estimation it screws you. But if he fixes his free throw shooting, which remember he wasn't always this terrible. It's been uh, a strange and difficult to explain drop off. He was 73% the previous year, which was still a drag, but you could handle it. He dropped 10% this year. Why? We don't really know. This is his worst free throw shooting year of his career. His career mark was 73, roughly 74, I think, percent prior to this year. So the 63% came a little bit out of nowhere. I was already a tiny bit down on Giannis. I always thought he was kind of a second-tier first-rounder. I never thought he was what he became this year, which was in nine-category leagues, like he barely made the second round. And in eight-category leagues, he was the beginning of the second round. I never thought he was going to be that bad because we didn't see this 10% free throw dip coming. But he was never that top-five type that everybody wanted him to be. But again, if he goes back to 74%, 73 74% of the free throw line, in eight-category leagues, he does leap back right to the back end of that first group. I'm just not willing to take a chance that that does happen. I, like, I'm not going to spend my sixth pick on a guy where I need something that I don't fully understand to happen. If I can't explain it, I don't want to deal with it. 
Steph going at three was sort of early. Uh, our buddy Jared Johnson, friend of the show, is a massive Warriors fan. I think in if this was a, a paid league, he might have gone a different direction there. But Steph going inside the top five is quite reasonable. He's going to want to have a big year after this last one. The Warriors are, are in prove-it mode, and Steph could, he could truly go supernova. He has a chance to be number one in eight or nine category leagues. And that's, you know, knowing that James Harden in eight category leagues is almost impossible to catch. Steph, in my estimation, with the early start and shortened season, has the best chance of anyone not named Harden to be number one this coming year. I think he's the best chance. Cat, uh, I, I like it. Dame, that's a very safe pick with as good as he's played. Kawhi is a little bit interesting to me. Again, if this was an 82-game season... I think I'd be more inclined to look at Kawhi in that seven slot where he was drafted because, remember, you know, he was number four both per game and, I think, totals this year prior to shutdown. He was missing time. Uh, excuse me, no, he was number eight. He was number eight by totals. Am I getting that right? Yeah, he's number eight by totals this year um, in a punt turnover build, an eight-cat because he only had 2.7 turnovers a game. You turn those off, he actually goes up in the rankings because some of the guys that passed him were dudes that just had more turnovers than him. Kawhi was number six by totals uh, in nine category, and again, he was number eight in, uh, in eight category leagues. I'm afraid of Kawhi this year, eight or nine category leagues. I thought the Clippers were going to be in push mode, but again, with the soon start, the shorter season, you just can't have a guy who's missing scheduled games. I don't know how many back-to-backs Clippers would have in a 72-game schedule. They haven't released any of that information, but if they had about 12 or 13 in an 82-game year, I would assume you just take maybe two of those away and call it like 10 or 11 scheduled missed games. And I wouldn't expect him to play in every single other ballgame. If he has any tweak, they will go easy on him. So... Again, you're looking at that Anthony Davis or LeBron James type of format where can you really have a first round, a mid first round pick where the best case scenario is they only miss 11 games. They they play 61 out of 72. It made sense this last year because he was falling to the 11, 12, 13 range where he could be a top four or five fantasy per game guy miss 12 or 13 games, and still be a first-round pick anyway, which is what happened. But if you have to spend a number six, number seven, number eight type pick to get him, it doesn't give you that that buffer to fall off. So in this weird instance, I actually like the pick that came after him more, which was Trey Young, who went at eight. Trey Young is an absolute eight-category darling. He averaged 48 turnovers per game this last year you yank those out and he goes from a mid-second rounder to number seven on a per game basis and despite being kind of a small guy who gets the free throw line a ton and gets beat up he's pretty durable so he was number seven on a per game basis in eight category leagues and by totals he was number five I think there's a very real chance he goes earlier than eight in drafts this coming year Nikola Jokic going at nine uh, was fine. He that's that's probably about where he should go in eight category leagues. He's very durable, but they did play late into the bubble, so you have a tiny bit of concern there. Luka Doncic going uh, towards the back end of the first round. He went at ten in this draft. He probably goes earlier than that in drafts next year, but he has actually shown himself to be not 
ultra durable. He does get beat up a ton. His numbers are going to be crazy amazing. Can he keep the energy high and keep those percentages up? He does have top four, top three, top four type potential in eight category leagues, but there are some question marks involved. So I'm not that upset with this pick of Luka at 10. Um, he's probably almost always going to be too rich for my blood in fantasy leagues just because of of how exciting he is to have on teams, and so that means he'll go early. Um, and so this one is fine. Kevin Durant at 11 is a, a question mark I'm probably not willing to take a chance on. Again, you're almost guaranteed to miss 11 or 12 games this coming year. And then LeBron at 12, same thing, although uh, I will once again let these teams off the hook because the the news of the, the short and near season had not yet broken. Uh, we're about 30, what, 31, 32 minutes into the podcast, and so what we'll do is... Ah, hell, we got time. Um, we'll put a pin in this one for right now. Friday, we'll pick back up with round two and then just kind of see how far we go with that one. And of course, if any news breaks, we'll, you know, we'll talk about that too. This was Fantasy NBA Today, a hoopball presentation. I'm Dan Vespers. Thanks, as always, for listening, everybody. Again, coming up tomorrow, our good buddy Josh Millman will talk Western Conference. What happened? What's coming? And uh, we'll find out how Common Core is going for Josh. Have a great day, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.